Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Hey y'all, this is Josiah Gray, and this is Half Street High Heat. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. We're now joined by Robert Murray of Fansided. So he's our, uh, can we just say brother, since we're all Fansided Network? Yeah, let's make it a Bro- like that. Bro- brother, it's yeah. yeah. It's our brother, Robert Murray from Fansided. You can follow him on Twitter at by Robert Murray. Uh, how are you doing? Thanks for joining us. I'm doing really well. Thank you for having me. How are you? Good, good. Just trying to uh, fill the time in this mm-hmm. void that is the lockout. Trying uh, to live without baseball. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. Isn't it terrible? It is. It's yeah. really terrible. I'm always kind of bereft at the end of the season, but this is yeah. this is a new level of awful, not having even any baseball to talk about, really. That's a, that's a good way of putting a new level of awful. I may end up stealing that for future references. So, <laughs> it's so. all yours. Wow, you're the best. I appreciate you. Amanda, that's not how you play your leverage. You're supposed to say, like, credit me, please. And then then you oh, become yeah. a big, you know, reporter like Robert is. That's how it works. You can't oh, just gonna give have away to, stuff for gonna ha- Yeah, going to have to up my game, I guess. Yeah, well, oh, there you well, go. <laughs> I'll, I'll still give you a shout out on each podcast. Get right. your name out there. There we go. Appreciate <laughs> it. Appreciate oh, it. Absolutely. I got you. Well, I, I've been making the joke that, you know, this lockout or offseason, whatever you want to call it, like it's really no different from a typical baseball offseason. Normally, baseball offseasons go pretty slow and we don't see anything till February which yeah. the way the negotiations are going, we might not see anything till February. Anyways, February actually might be the earliest we see something. Have you heard anything on the state of negotiations with, you know, the players association and obviously the MLB? Yeah, it's been really slow. Um, and there's been hardly any progress if there's been any progress. Um, and this is going to last until at least January. Um, like there's some people who think like spring training games won't be impacted. Then there's other people who think that regular season games are going to be impacted, um, which that would be worst case scenario for both sides involved. But like, I think both sides are going to be especially motivated to get a deal done at least before spring training, but at least before the regular season starts because they lost money in the COVID year, um, a lot of money, no less. And I can't see them wanting to do that again in back-to-back seasons. Like just, that just, uh, 
that seems pretty dangerous and like both sides want money in the end. And um, I think that's going to end up being their common ground or like finding a deal to get done. Yeah, I agree with that. I also, I, I keep thinking the, if they let it impact spring training, you know, we saw a, a real rash of injuries when spring training wasn't able to happen normally when, you know, COVID first started and um, the way that so many slow starts to the season, I, I would, I don't think they're going to want to, have another season where the beginning of the regular season happens without a real spring training. No, I would totally agree with that. Cause like, as you mentioned, like the amount of players that ended up dealing with injuries, mm -hmm. that was pretty substantial. And I know like there's been a lot of, there's a lot of players in, in baseball who are pretty routine oriented and like the COVID year really threw them for a loop. Um, like you end up having spring training start on time. And then all of a sudden just, it's cut cold turkey you're off for a while and then you return for a 60 game sprint and then during this you have players going on the COVID IL um and they weren't able to get in this routine like I know one of them was Christian Yelich um who ended up really struggling with that and a terrible not, year yeah yeah it was uh it was it was really tough like seeing him go through that because he's like a very positive upbeat person and like even from afar you could just see how much of a mental toll it was taking on him and you know, he wasn't alone in that. There was a lot of like premium players that dealt with that. Like not even premium players too. Like everybody in baseball dealt with it. So um, like that's especially something I think the players are going to be mindful of is not messing with that routine because that could have consequences, as you said, um, throughout like the entire season here. Yeah. Not only with injuries, but with their performances, we have a, a sort of running joke on the podcast here that um, when we talk about the COVID year, we, if, if it supports our argument, we use those stats. And if it doesn't, we throw them out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I like that That's good. <laughs> I like that. That's another one I'm going to end up stealing. If you don't have, yeah, boy, I'm going to steal everything from you guys. This podcast. Nice. <laughs> um, you mentioned the, you know, the 60 game sprint and obviously the, you know, 2020 was just a wacky year in general, but with the players, it's always been kind of a, uh, you know, a, a point of contention, I guess. Maybe that's not the right phrase for it, but it, it's a very, very long season. Uh, 162 games is, you know, basically double what any other sport plays. Do you think we're done with 162 game seasons? Or do the players want a shorter season? That's a, that's a really good question. I don't think that's going to end up being a focus on this CBA, like maybe that's a, something that's popped up in different ones, but I think like the focus of the CBA is players being compensated properly. And like, people are going to hear that and they're going to be like, what are you talking about? These guys make $340 million. And right. Um, Not like, most of them. Exactly. That's <laughs> you're spot on with that. Like there's a lot of these players who are making the minimum. Um, and even then that's, that's still a pretty good salary, but like, as revenue has gone up, the player's share of the money has not gone up. And that's been a, that's been something that's bothered the players. Like that's one of the things that's bothered them. And I think it's going to end up being a focal point, but I think what you said about the 162 game season makes a, a whole lot of sense. And maybe that's revisited in the future, but I just don't know if that's going to be a change that's made this year. Yeah. There's just, I would assume there's probably just so much to tackle that you kind of, got to make concessions. Yeah. You probably got to pick your battles. Yeah. I mean, compensation yeah. is obviously the most important thing. 
uh, going forward. So it makes sense. Yeah, I, I think economic issues are going to be the focus of this, this whole set of CBA negotiations, but Robert, do you have any thoughts on what sort of on the field changes might arise if any, I mean, there's a lot of talk about the, you know, the universal DH, the pitch clocks, um, banning the shift, uh, you know, the ghost runner, all of these sorts of things that, yeah. um, have been kind of questions swirling around. Do you think they're going to address any of those? Yeah, I think the universal DH is here to stay. Um, and that Boo! Is, oh, 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 I'm, I'm upsetting people already. That take very long. <laughs> we um, have another ongoing, we have a very ongoing argument here about the, the universal DH. So yeah, Amanda's going, been wrong for a long time. So, okay, I'm going to guess here that Amanda is uh, is team no universal DH here. She's anti-fun. Yeah, she's anti-fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm anti-any DH. I'll, I'll even go further. Oh, DH, holy so. Geez, we're spitting hot takes out here, Nick. So I'm, I'm with you on that one, man. That yeah. uh, I'm I'm pro DH for sure. Yeah, our other co-host Ryan is is with Nick as well. I'm the I'm the sole anti DH person around here. So Robert, you are correct. So congratulations. <laughs> so while I'm on here, um, we're gonna have to try to talk some sense into Amanda. Uh, so. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> well, I'm good luck. <laughs> we're 170 episodes now. We haven't been able to do it, but maybe you know, you're the professional here. Maybe you have more luck than Ryan and I do. <laughs> Oh, hang on. I could just, oh, I, hang on. Uh, Breaking boy, news? That, yeah, I, yeah. I didn't expect a text. I got, a, that was not something I expected. Um, <laughs> sorry. It was from a, like somebody I just, yeah. Anyways, but sorry. What were you saying? Oh, just if we want, other than the DH, since that's obviously oh. a, a, a controversial point. Um, <laughs> any other on the field changes? Do you think the ghost runner they're going to, they're going to have on second, you know, in extra innings, or are they going to do any, you know, the pitch clock stuff, there's a lot of sort of on the field tweaks that have been either already tried yeah. or discussed. Do you expect any of those to become, you know, um, made permanent in this CBA negotiation? Yeah, that's uh, like, I don't think like the ghost, like, I'm not sure what the ghost runners is going to end up being or looking like if it's going to end up happening next year. My guess is probably no, um, which I know there's a lot of people who are going to support it being gone. Um, it's not going to please everybody, which you can't please everybody. Like personally, I really do not. I hope they don't ban the shift. Um, because the shift, I, in my opinion, like it's a strategic thing. And like, you see these teams, like the brewers, you see the, the rays, like, I mean, every team in baseball does it, but like there's teams that take it to a whole different level. And it's a part of the strategy. I, I don't want to see it go, but my guess like this is just me talking. This is not like a source thing or anything, but my guess is it's probably gone because major league baseball wants offense mm -hmm. and they want more fans watching the games. And like the way of getting that is having more excitement, which is having more offense. So yeah, that, that, that's probably something like if there's going to be a big change on the field in this CBA, I bet you it's going to be that, but like, I don't think that's been brought up quite yet. Yeah. Um, I'm glad you mentioned that because obviously, you know, MLB does want offense. We've seen, you know, a certain measures taken, whether it be juice baseballs or uh, whatever else to increase offense. So I do think that's the direction they're taking. I wanted to get your take on the, uh, I guess the commissioner's office or whoever the switching baseballs based on who's playing because it feels like that was a major story that kind of just died down after one day. Yeah. I, I can't imagine any other sport, like imagine, you know, NFL games, like Monday night football gets the 
juiced football, but you know, some one o'clock game between two low level teams get like the, you know, stiff football. Like, I, I just don't see how you can, it's bizarre. You know, yeah. No. Change the actual, you know, equipment based on who's playing and ratings and offense and whatever. And that be okay for the player side. Cause obviously that completely impacts you know, the competitive nature of, of the game. And, you know, with teams like the Blue Jays and the Mariners just missing out, well, you know, the Mariners didn't start all that hot. Maybe they got screwed earlier in the season and, you know, ended up being the one game difference or whatever. Is that ever going to come about again? Like <laughs> that just seemed like such a major storyline that I felt like died down so quickly. I am so glad you mentioned that. And like, like I have, so before I answer this, is swearing allowed on this podcast? Yes. Yes. Yeah, you can. Okay. <laughs> so the fact that they use different baseballs for different games and like what Rob Manfred was alleged to say is total bullshit to me. Um, yeah. And like that should never happen. And it feels like for the last five years, we've been talking about a scandal or something involving the baseballs. Right. Which that should not that that just shouldn't happen and the fact that they were able to uncover that get the amount of story or like the amount of details for that story was beyond impressive and that should be a story that is talked about throughout the entire offseason and rob manford should be held accountable for that or whoever was behind that and like you would have to think you would have knowledge of it because it's his yeah fox stops with him exactly and like you should know the exact kind of baseball that is going to be used in each game because, I mean, that, like, you saw, I want to say it was what, Chris Bassett? He said, what, or he asked, yeah, what kind of ball was used when, like, it exploded on my face? Right. And, like, it it didn't hit me until then of just how crazy this entire thing was. Um, And, like, ever since that story was released, I've had coaches, I've had players, I've had other people in baseball text me saying I'm glad this finally got out because like this is something we've noticed like we would go into the, like the bucket of balls and we would notice one of them would feel heavy one of them would feel light they just feel different um it's such, it shouldn't... such a strange thing like I just like you said Nick I, I can't imagine any other sport just having the equipment be different no it, like, not I only mean, game to game but like in the game you've got a bunch of balls that aren't the same it's it's just so odd it is. It's like, I mean, the only time I've ever heard of something like this outside of baseball is the deflate gate in, in the mm-hmm. NFL. And even and it was a huge scandal. It was. And like this one, as like, as Nick mentioned, it got thrown under the ropes basically like a day after, like we haven't heard about it since. Um, yeah. Like that's I, like, I'm not kidding. This conversation is probably gonna make me dig on it more. Cause like, <laughs> this is something that needs to be covered a lot more extensively yeah it feels like it should be as big of a scandal as deflate gate was for the for the nfl and i i always come back to for the players this a different baseball completely changes your stats which changes ultimately what you get paid and you know for arbitration eligible players it changes you know the kinds of negotiations that they can do i mean it's just such an enormous story i can't understand why it's not being treated with the severity that it should it's yeah, it's really, I think, a much bigger scandal than anything that happened with the Astros or anything else. I mean, even in the with the 2019, the year the Nats, you know, won it all, 
the, the ball being used in the playoffs was clearly not the same ball being used in the regular season that year. Thank goodness. Oh because in that game five against the Dodgers, that would have been <laughs> totally a walk-off. Was that, who was that? Who hit that? Will Smith. Oh, but Will Smith. Yeah. That one. I thought for sure that nice was gone ball. and then it died at the wall. <laughs> yeah. But if and they like, were using those juice baseballs, that's gone. You know, the ones oh, that they were using all season. Yeah, that's going to be going like halfway up the stands there for sure mm-hmm. in the outfield. And like, I, like I'm this is something that ended up popping into my head as you were talking. But like speaking of the baseball, we saw how much Major League Baseball cracked down on the pitchers using the sticky substances. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like now Major League Baseball is responsible for different baseballs, and they're not being held accountable. Like that's that like that's another thing that just shouldn't happen. Like, yeah, like that might be the most under talked about or just underappreciated story of my time covering baseball. I, I feel pretty confident in saying that too. Yeah. I hope with it the, gets more coverage. Yeah. With oh, the I sticky stuff too. <laughs> yeah. Amanda, we're getting credit left and right. We All right. Keep it going. Yep. Um, but yeah, with the sticky stuff, like it, it just, I, I've never even, you know, sniffed the mate or the minors or anything like that. But like, you know, when I played sticky stuff is pretty common. And it's kind of just like this grandfathered in thing. It's like this mutual understanding between hitters and pitchers where it's like, you know, I guess spider tech kind of took it to a new level, but like just for the sake of control, especially with pitchers throwing harder, you know, the the hitters didn't necessarily mind it. Um, Again, you know, there is that kind of like, you know, mutual respect you have to uh, maintain. So spider tech might've crossed the line a little bit, but yeah, just to go cold Turkey mid season, and someone like Tyler Glass now saying, yeah, I think this is why I, you know, need yeah. Tommy John it. now. It's just like, it feels like the players have so many arguments. Right. right. Legitimate yeah, gripes, gripes. And legitimate gripes there. Yeah. That, you know, <laughs> it's just so hard to see everything being fixed. And baseball's always been kind of behind the curve as far as, you know, being progressive about rule changes and whatnot. But one thing that really bothers me, and I, I promise we're not going to, you know, cover too much of the lockout there are other things we want to talk to you about but one of the things that it's really bothered me and scott boris actually came out and said it and people have their opinions on boris whatever but half the league is just not trying right now and it's uh it's baffling like i made the point last episode we were talking about the lockout and like if you want to go to the nfl because i think the nfl is for the most part the standard of the sports leagues like even the jaguars are spending you know 85% 85% of their cap space and, and you know, same with the Texans and, and yeah, like the lowest or the highest amount of cap space available is like 20%. Whereas you have teams like the A's, the guardians, the Orioles are, are spending less than Max Scherzer is going to make this year. It's just like how I get, you know, Rob Manfred works for the owners that want the owners want to just pocket all the, you know, the extra revenue and all that stuff. But how is this like going to continue to be allowed? Boy, that like this is a very complicated answer. Yeah, I, I need you to I need you to answer that ver- like perfectly. Yeah, you know, without any detail. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. without any warning or preparation. Yeah, yeah, I'll just I'll go into like a fifteen minute spiel here. Going, I'll channel my inner lawyer here. Um, but so like, there's a lot of people on the ownership side who support a salary cap, and well, actually, let me rephrase this. Like, there's a lot of people in like surrounding baseball, I should say that support having a salary cap for the exact reason of having more parity and having more teams be competitive. Um, And ultimately I don't think it happens because 
one thing the players have on their side is the fact that there's no salary cap and having no salary cap means they can sign these deals for 10 years for $325 million. Um, and no other league is, is able to do that or the players aren't able to do that in other leagues and all of that money is guaranteed. And if you end up signing or if, if you end up going to a salary cap, there is going to like players are not going to get those kinds of deals. And I would imagine there's going to be a lot of upset people over that too. Um, especially on the player's side and like that, they're going to hold on to that for with dear life. Um, just because like, that's one of their big bargaining chips on their end. Um, so I don't know, like, since there's not going to be a salary cap next year, um, I don't, well, I, I actually, let me rephrase that. Cause that's a pretty strong statement there. I don't <laughs> think there's going to be a salary cap next year. Um, so it's going to require both of these sides getting pretty creative to have more parity. I know Jason Stark ended up posting something on the athletic this morning. I have not read the story yet, but I saw Ken Rosenthal tweeted by saying this can like, it, this could end up bringing more parity to major league baseball. So maybe what Jason said is, is like one of the answers, but this is that that's probably going to be from the ownership side, at least one of the biggest questions on like, on how to change that, especially even on the player side too. Like there's, there's so many different questions here. Like it's basically like peeling an onion. There's mm-hmm. so many different layers to this thing. And I, that's why this is going to take a very long time. Yeah. The economic issues are just so complex. Yeah. And um, like economic stuff, by the way, is not my area of expertise, which thank God for that. Um, <laughs> that is just brutal. Um, so no I one said passionate. there would be math. Yeah, exactly. Like I came in here to write and like break stories. I didn't think there'd be math involved. So um, yeah, not, not great. Speaking of the mega deals um, that you were just mentioning, uh, let's talk a little bit about the the huge flurry of activity just before the lockout commenced. Yeah. Um, All these mega deals, um, you know, Max Scherzer obviously is the headliner. It hurts me in my soul to talk about Max Scherzer being a Matt. I'm sorry. I know it's hard. It's hard. Thank you. I appreciate your thoughts and prayers. But um, tell me kind of, was there anything surprising to you? Um, any particular signings was, first of all, I guess, was the amount of activity surprising? And then were any of the particular signings kind of unexpected? And did the split of which teams were very active and which teams kind of sat on their hands, you know, kind of comport with what you expected or? Yeah, that's, so this is gonna be a long answer. I'll just give you a heads up on that one. <laughs> um, so I was, I went into this thing having a pretty good idea there'd be a decent amount of activity like a week before everything happened and then all of a sudden word started to trickle out that a lot of Boris's top players like Scherzer, Simeon, and Seager would probably end up signing before the lockout and the expectation throughout baseball was that was going to create just this large domino effect unlike anything we've ever seen and I teased it like five days before the deadline saying there's going to be a flurry of activity and it exceeded my expectations. I was, I got no sleep because my phone was going off nonstop. Um, and I'm still recovering to it from it like to the day, um, which I didn't think that lockout be- hangover. Oh, it's a legitimate thing. Like, okay. So like, here's a little nugget about your, yours truly here is I, if I get drunk, I have hangovers that last for three days and I didn't think anything would ever like top that, but like baseball, I have a 10 day baseball, baseball hangover right now. 
Um, <laughs> well, it's all the baseball activity you're going to get. So I guess it's better than nothing. Got, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> at least there's minor league signings happening. So like right. we got some, like, this is like the smallest of appetizers here. Yeah. Or uh, maybe some international league action. Oh, see, I didn't even Winter think ball. about that too. I see. Okay. Now you're making me feel better now, man. <laughs> we all picked uh, we all picked Korean baseball teams to follow during the COVID. Yeah. My dinos stoppage. went on a run. It was, it yeah. was nice to, yeah. Nick nice picked to the see. winning. Oh, a lifelong, uh, lifelong fan, Nick. Lifelong yes. Dinos fan. Wow, it, you got to be a fan with a name like Dinos. I mean, that's <laughs> exactly. just so sweet. Exactly. Yeah, they, they were well, destined to win. Oh, absolutely. Um, I chose like, poorly. Wait, wait, what did you choose? <laughs> well, I chose the the team that was in uh, the Weishanpu area. I was in the army when I was much younger, and I was stationed in Weishanpu. So I just picked the team that was closest to where I'd been stationed, and they were pretty terrible. Legitimately, so, like finish last. Yeah, they like were regulation bad. level. <laughs> oh right. my god oh that's not good at least it's a cool story though you had a reason to root for them so. exactly exactly i had a reason but i they said i chose poorly <laughs> and nothing wrong with that wait did you say you served by the way i just want to yes sure. yes hey, I was I in the army. thank you for your service by the thank way thank you very much i appreciate that absolutely so like so should i go back into baseball or you just want to talk about like the dinos <laughs> no no we can talk about major league baseball i guess okay perfect. <laughs> i got into that that was that was that was good that was a nice change of pace but um like i would say the thing that shocked me the most about that was the texas rangers like everybody mm-hmm. in baseball knew they were going to spend you just didn't expect 600 million dollars in like no 24 hours like i got wind of the marcus simeon deal um, and I texted the source who would know it's like, like, is Simeon for seven years? Like, is that, is that a thing? And like, I, then I followed it up with like, this, this can't be, like, this can't be true. Um, just cause like, you don't think the Texas Rangers would be like signing Simeon. And all of a sudden he said, yep, close. You can, you, and then he let me run with it. And I'm like, holy wow okay and then all of a sudden like i'm texting with him more and he said there's more to come then i get a call from a different person saying cole calhoun is signing and i'm like okay let's let's break this and then rosenthal steals it or he he gets it from under me and all of a sudden i find out that seager is still in play and let like there's momentum like a deal getting done and then the next day it gets done for 325 million and then they like before that they signed john gray for four years um, and like the Rangers, they, like they were also in on Kyle Schwarber. Like that has not gotten reported yet. Uh, I've mentioned it on a different podcast, but like they made a three-year offer to Schwarber. Um, and it, just, it uh, like, it wasn't enough for him to like sign it on the spot, but uh, I think they're out on him now, but um, that Rangers run was stunning. And if you want to talk about Max Scherzer, I won't go into a huge spiel unless you want me to, but just know <laughs> yeah, go I'm, ahead. I'm yeah. Picketing. And people will want to hear about it since that's sort of nationals adjacent. So oh. <laughs> beautiful. Okay. So if you want to put in earbuds, just so you don't have to hear this, but just, I'll, I, just, I, I'll just, I'll just weep silently. It's fine. Don't worry. About oh, it. Okay. <laughs> perfect. Um, but like everybody in baseball assumed that he wanted to go to a West coast team um, just because like that was his preference at the deadline. Um, and after the fact, I found out from a team that was in the running that he wanted to go back home. He wanted to go on the East coast and like the Mets presented a perfect opportunity for him. Like with Scherzer, you have to expect they're going to be able to compete. Like, especially having Scherzer and DeGrom as your one, two, like that crazy. 
I, yeah, like I've never heard of a one-two punch like that in my life. Um, and like the Mets ended up offering him three for what was the final day? Like 130? 140. Yeah. 140? It was 43 oh. million a year, whatever that comes That's out. That's right. Oh, yeah, okay. 130. Yeah, 130. 130. Okay. See this? Yeah. Okay. This is another case where math is not my strong suit. Um, <laughs> but, uh, like that was a record setting deal. And I think in this case, that's what he wanted. Um, and like, it was a perfect storm for him. And you had like the Dodgers, they were involved, but like they were pretty much on the periphery or periphery throughout the entire off season. The angels wanted him bad. Um, like they, they very much wanted Max Scherzer, but it just was not in the cards, especially with what the Mets offer. Like nobody was going to top that. Uh, the giants liked him, like, but they were never really like a serious suitor. Um, but like, Speaking of cards, as you just mentioned, with the cards ever, everybody always talks about him wanting to like go home, but I've never heard them mentioned as a, as a serious suitor for him. No, like, I mean, there was like, there was a report out of St. Louis that there was like mutual interest between the two sides, but like, they were never going to do a deal like that. Like that, like no, they no. weren't going to come. That blew me away. I mean, Max Scherzer's my all-time favorite national and I love the guy, but that yeah. deal shocked me. I I've, I had a pretty good idea going into like the, or the night before what the terms were, and I was blown away, and I, I was in the exact same boat as you. Like he's a Hall of Fame pitcher, probably the best pitcher in my lifetime, um, and you just don't expect a guy like or anybody, I should say, getting forty three million a year. Like I ended up tweeting this the other day that uh, Scherzer got 43.33 million a year when Barry Bonds over a six-year contract got a little bit over 43 million total. Uh, like I know inflation is a real thing. Yeah, inflation's but, like, a bitch. <laughs> yeah, inflation is a real bitch. Like, it made me wonder too, like what he would end up earning or what Bonds would have earned on a long-term extension if he was playing today. Because um, yeah, that number, imagine. like with that, that would have to top over 50 million a year, wouldn't it? I would think so. I saw yeah, a thing on imagine. Twitter that I had retweeted. I can't even remember who had originally posted it, but it was like a list of in the last lockout, what the top players were making at each position. Yeah. And nobody was making more than I think $2 yeah, million. I saw that too. It was like, um, yeah, wow. Ricky Henderson was leading the pack at like 2.5 million. It was like late nineties. I think. Yeah. I saw that too. Yeah. Wow. It was really shocking to look at. I think goodness. Well, I These guys now who are all retired are looking at, the numbers they're going to be like, man, I wish I had played 20 years later. Oh my gosh. Right. Like I'm blown away. Just thinking about that. If like, if I was in their shoes, I'd actually be like kind of pissed. I'd be like, right. we'll I'm have to find oh. that, that uh, graphic for you and tweet it at, tweet it to you so you can see it. Yeah, yeah please do. Cause like, that's actually like something that I would genuinely want to see. Um, Cause like, that's just mind blowing to me. Yeah. Um, but man, at the, that's, yeah. at the same time though, I think the year he retired, I don't know what age he was that season, but Barry Bonds had like over a thousand OPS the year he retired. Well, retired and no yeah. one would sign him. So it's like, you know, but yeah, I, I would have to imagine he would get probably 50 million a year, which is crazy because obviously, uh, you know, us being Nats fans at the time of the trade, there was like, will they, won't they even back like going towards May before we were ever really out of it. It was like, will they, won't they trade him type deal. And, uh, you know, we were talking to like local reporters, like what would a Max Scherzer deal look like? And they're like, oh, three years, a hundred million. And I think all three of us, I don't know, Amanda, about you, but all three of us are like, no, three years, a yeah. hundred million. Like that's, 
that's crazy for a guy. He's great, but age 37, like, you know, one thing can go wrong and just like tank that deal. Uh, yeah. you know, and he does have, you it. know, a concerning recent injury history. You know, yes. He's, he's he been so durable throughout his career, but at that age, you do have to worry. And if it works out, the Mets look like geniuses. If he sustains a bad injury, they look like goats, you know? So no, but yeah. Exactly. Yeah, there was well, one yeah. who pulled that off, by the way. It was Steve Cohen. Like, right. For, well, I mean, other teams probably would pull off three for 100, but three for 130, only Steve Cohen's got the, the gonads to pull that kind of Yeah, for sure. Right. Right. Well, he it, can't hire a manager or a general manager, but he can uh, he can spend money when. Uh, well, assistant manager Max Scherzer seems to want Buck Showalter from what I'm reading. So, right. There you yeah, go. I think that report's <laughs> actually right. Like, yeah, like which caught me off guard, but yeah, he apparently wants Buck Showalter. So, yeah, he'll probably get him. I would imagine. You just pay yeah, one hundred and thirty million dollars. You'll probably yeah. get the manager. He wants. Try to maximize on that investment, but you know, speaking of the, pun, yeah, I was just about to say it was well done. <laughs> I mean, you, you know how I do. Um, but speaking of like the overall, uh, you know, off season, obviously, like you know, I made the joke earlier that MLB off season is always slow. Whereas this one was awesome. Granted, like it was, you know, under extenuating circumstances and and whatnot. Is there any way to make the MLB offseason as appealing as the NFL free agency or the NBA free agency, where it's just like a flurry of moves in that first like three days? Because I I just I'd never understood why, you know, like the Bryce Harper and Manny Machado was the Mm -hmm. the offseason. Everyone had circled on their calendars for like five years prior and neither of them signed till February. It was boring and protracted. Yeah, it was it was a crazy boring offseason. And you know, that's kind of been the um the pattern. how how it's gone mm-hmm. in the last couple of offseasons. Obviously, this one again, just because of the CBA, you know, I understand why players would want to sign and get that security before the, the work stoppage. Is there any way we can get, like spice up the MLB offseason aside from having a CBA negotiation every every year? Aside from a lockout. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Think I sure as heck hope we don't have a lockout every year. That would be that would be <laughs> awful. Um, but like that's like you're not alone in asking that question. Um, there's a lot of people in baseball. Like it surprised me how many people on the agent side of things support having a like some sort of a deadline for free agency to like create that kind of buzz and excitement. Because like as I said earlier, I've never seen anything like that in my life. Um, and it like, even on my end, like I, like at this point, it's, it's a job, like trying to like report news, but I was having an absolute blast. Mm-hmm. And I could only imagine how the fans were like, it was just, it was thrilling. And like, if you have that kind of level of excitement, like that is going to be a huge way for like more fans coming in, which is what major league baseball wants. Do I think they're aware of that, like at least Major League Baseball and the owners. I thought so, but like they made recent comments like that were just like, I can't remember exactly what they were off the top of my head, but it was just like, what are these guys thinking? Um, So I hope, I sure as heck hope they end up creating some sort of a deadline just because, as I said, that was thrilling. It, it did not allow me to sleep very much, which I'm perfectly okay with. Yeah, you can sleep when uh, you're dead. Exa- yeah, that's a good mindset to have, actually. Like that's actually usually how I operate too. Uh, as I say that, as I've been up since two in the morning or two thirty. Oh gosh. So yeah, I don't recommend doing that. But, um, but yeah, it's been like that was that was thrilling, and I sure as heck hope they create some sort of a deadline because 
like that was just as I can't say it enough. That was freaking. Amazing. It was so much fun. Yeah. And the trade deadline, of course, is super exciting. You know, I'm always on Twitter, like refreshing every five seconds, click, 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 trying to watch as the deadline comes up. Deadlines create that excitement. It would make so much sense for them to do something to, you know, other leagues, especially the NFL, we keep talking about, but they do such a great job of making everything an event, you know, like everything with either a year round, there's something going on if you're an NFL fan and baseball could do such a better job. And of course we know because they won't let people watch their damn games with all the blackouts that they're not very good at. Yeah. That's a, a hobby horse. We ride a lot around. around yeah, here, honestly, we, we could be on here for two hours to talk. About yeah. That. Oh, I hate it. It's so ridiculous, but uh, obviously, so they don't either know and understand or care to make their product more um, exciting and accessible. But hopefully that will change at some point. Fingers crossed. I'm hoping. And like th- one of the things you ended up mentioning was was the NFL knows how to create like everything into an event. And like it leads to all these different sorts the of combine, the draft, like all this stuff that used to just be, you know, nobody even knew about it or cared about it. And now it's all televised and exciting. And yeah, it's like must watch TV, or at least they make it seem that way. And like, and a big thing with the NFL is like how they end up doing these sorts of things, like free agency, the trade deadline. Like, obviously, the baseball is a trade deadline too. But like the amount of action that happens is like it comes back to something that Andrew Brandt of Sports Illustrated likes to say a deadline spur action mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. he could not be more right about that. And we saw that with, we, we see that every year at the trade deadline on July 31st. Um, and like, we got to see what it would look like in free agency and I'm all for it. There's and I lot. like it. Oh, me too. Like, honestly, like I'm fully on board with it. There's a lot of representatives for players that are in for it too. So it's got the player support, I think for sure. I just, it all comes down to the owners and I'm, I sure as heck hope they see. <laughs> yeah, we'll like, see. I, oh gosh. Yeah. Well, the, speaking of the, when, de- oh sorry, Nick, go ahead. I was just say when you have a deadline like that, it also dominates the social media news that day, uh-huh. and it's like anytime you can have a day dedicated to baseball, that's going to be in your favor because that's going to obviously the buzz lasts longer than you know the news breaking. So it's like the deadline day. I don't know that. It feels like the owners would if they got a free agency deadline, they would just wait to sign everybody so that everyone signs team-friendly deals. Like that's my one concern with it, but I am open to ideas to spice up the off season. Cause normally it's, you know, pretty dull anyways. Yeah, yeah exactly. And it's just a lot of waiting around and like you get to the winter meetings and like, that's when the talks really start to happen. Um, right. Because these guys get to meet face to face and there's some deals that happen, but we have to wait for like the months after that, like for these big ones to happen. Right. Um, so I, yeah, like I'm in favor of it happening, but I agree that there's, they're going to have to figure out or negotiate something that will um, not let the owners wait to the last second to like, right. Have these guys panic sign. Um, they're going to have to create some sort of like a, a structure, but I'm, I'm pretty optimistic. They'll be able to come up with that for sure. Cool. Yeah. Well, deadlines is a perfect segue into my next question. Since we are a nationals podcast, I would like to touch on some national stuff. Um, the Nats trade deadline. Um, obviously they traded away everything that wasn't nailed down or named Juan Soto. And, um, I'd love to kind of get an opinion from someone outside of the Nats orbit on how you, what you thought their return was like, if they got a good return for what they, for what they traded away. And um, there's a lot of talk among the fan base here about, you know, everybody kind of expected Scherzer to be traded, but Trey Turner was a shock to a lot of the fan base. And a lot of people are still pissed that he was traded away, although as they should, 
Right. <laughs> so a lot of people think that it was a mistake. So I'd kind of love to get your thoughts on that. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you. So when that deal got leaked, that Scherzer was going to the Dodgers and then Trey Turner was going with him. That was a wow for me. Cause like you, like everybody just assumed that Turner would stay with the nationals and eventually agree to a, a very lucrative extension. But the, the Nationals didn't really make that much of an effort, at least in recent months before the trade, to extend him. Um, and I don't think they were ever going to come near what he was wanting to get. So that's why they ended up doing the deal. And they ended up getting some really like good prospects in return. Like their top, the, they got the Dodgers' top two prospects um, in Ruiz and Josiah Gray, which very good players, like very, very good. Um, and I think that deal, it hurt them like making it in the short term, just because losing Scherzer, a hall of fame player and Turner, who a lot of people think is a top five player. Um, like that's a, a significant blow, but getting those two players in return ended up helping them out for sure. And in their long term. Um, so I think that was smart. Um, I'm trying to think of who they got for Kyle Schwarber. Uh, is it, no, Korea. Um, because I know that like there's some scouts who like the return there for sure. Dang it. Um, yeah. It was a, yeah. it was a, like a double A pitcher. I can't remember his name. He throws, yeah, but, I guess he throws triple digits though. Yeah. Like, so like I know the scouts like that deal a lot for sure. And then like the other one, like another one that really stood out to me. I mean, they made so many different deals at the deadline. Um, right. was, was a Daniel Hudson trade. Um, Mason like Thompson. That, yeah. Yeah. Like I remember at the time, like, there was one name that leaked and then it was, it was like surprising that they got that much. And then there was like another name leaked too. Um, and it was like, Whoa, like the nationals did really well here in getting, um, and getting Hudson or getting rid of Hudson, I should say. Um, and like, maybe that was part of the Padres desperation to like counter the Scherzer trade. I don't know if that was even remotely close or like part of their thinking, but like they had to have made a move after like the Dodgers got Scherzer and Turner because for years now they've been trying to get in the same class as the Dodgers and maybe they got close at least on paper but like in terms of results they never were really there um but like I think the Nationals overall did pretty well uh I don't know if the Nationals fans agree just because um like getting rid of all those players like Scherzer, as I said, Hall of Famer, Turner, top five player, Schwarber, who is a monster. Um, like Kevin Long with the Nationals unlocked something with him. And there's a lot of people who are optimistic he could end up being one of the better players in, in baseball going forward because of that. And that's ultimately why I think Schwarber goes to Philadelphia uh, to reunite with Long. Um, so I, I could hear your disgust in the background. <laughs> um, so I'm 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 very sorry to disappoint once again, but I think you guys should be optimistic about the future. But I wouldn't expect him to do much going forward at free agents because everybody's got their eyes on one thing, Juan Soto. Yeah, right, absolutely. And that was, um, I guess, a, another thing I'd love to hear your thoughts on is with Juan Soto's remaining time in Washington, you know, guaranteed, you know, it's ticking away. Do you think they're going to? do what they need to do to make themselves competitive before he, you know, hits free agency because a rebuild can, can take a long time. But as you can see with what, for instance, the Rangers just did, if you're willing to spend $600 million, 
you know, you can come out of a, you can come out of a rebuild really damn fast. So I, I expect, and we've talked a little bit about this on, on earlier episodes that they're not going to waste all of the time they have guaranteed from Soto because, you know, he's a Boris client. You never know that he's going to extend here at all. And if it does, if he does, it's going to cost an unbelievable bundle of money. So do you think that the Nats are maybe not this coming season, but the following season going to do some, do something grand enough to make themselves compete while they've got Juan Soto here? I think they have to. Um, And like being competitive, I think is going to end up being pretty important to Juan Soto because he's a very competitive player and he wants to win. But the thing with the Nationals is it's going to be tricky to navigate this because they can't do what the Texas Rangers just did and spend $600 million in 24 hours because they need to have as much money available to extend Juan Soto as they possibly can um, because that deal is going to be absurd. Um, like that deal, like that, it's going to start with a four. Uh, I'm pretty confident in that. I, I've seen some reports about $500 million. I don't know if that's going to happen that's unless a big there's a like, number. I don't know if there's like the only way that sort of thing happens if there's like a significant amount of deferrals, I think. So it like decreases the present day value, which I mean, Boris has done it in the past, but like his two deals with Simeon and Seeger did not have that. So um, I, I would expect them to add pieces in the future that make them more competitive. I know Mike Rizzo, I want to say it was Rizzo who said on the record to a reporter that they were interested in Schwarber. So like it shows that they're willing to spend money, but you're not going to see a a $300 million player go to the nationals before they extend Soto. Um, And like, even then um, I don't know about the likelihood of extending Soto before his free agency, because as you mentioned, Boris clients do not usually sign extensions before like they become free agents. Like Boris likes to establish a player's value and market on the open market. And when you have one team bidding, like that gets the price to a certain point. But when you have 30 teams bidding on a player or capable of bidding on a player, like that opens up a lot of different possibilities, which is what Boris wants. But either way, he is going to get so much freaking money. And like so much money. Yeah. And like, I, I'm very curious to see what that deal looks like, but that could, I, I, I wonder if that's going to top Mike Trout's deal. Like that, it's going to be a lot of money. Just be warned. Yeah, that would be, it would be thrilling to see that happen. Although I don't know, as a, as a fan of the nationals, who's watched, you know, Bryce Harper walk away and Anthony Rendon and now Trey Turner's gone. And every time there's always this, well, they had to let Harper go so they could they could pay Rendon and then they had to let Rendon go so they could pay Turner. And it, it just all sort of feels like a part and parcel of the same thing. So I don't yeah. have high hopes for them extending him. So I really hope that they, they take advantage of the time they have him here and, and do something to compete again. Cause winning the world series was a lot of fun. I'd like to do that again. Yeah. That way, like, I'll tell you, I, I was actually there for the wild card game. I was, I covered oh, the Brewers, you know, I was there too. Were you there? <laughs> I was. Oh, so we were like, we didn't even know it, but we, we, we became best friends at that. Moment. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> ah. So yeah, like that game, like if, if Trent Grisham did not do what he did in the outfielder, like that ball was not hit a certain way. Um, like, cause like that was just a screwball that was hit. Like, yeah. Or if Christian Yelich was, was healthy. Or if Christian Yelich were there instead of Trent Grisham, for instance. Well, that's a great call on your end. Like I was, yeah. I cover the Brewers and I forgot about that. Like, I don't know what that says about me, but, <laughs> but anyways, um, just credit me again. We're fine. Yeah. I'll, yeah, I'll, exactly. I'll, I'll add it to the tab. Yeah. First reported by Nick Myers. There we go. <laughs> um, but uh, 
but yeah like that entire run was was a blast and like and i totally can only imagine how fun that was for you guys too uh just being fans and being up close and everything and it also like what you said made me wonder what would that team like with harper with soda at the level he is now rendon turner like all those players combined at this level there are today like how good would they be uh even yeah. with the help of steven strasberg too like the one guy they extended um yeah the boris really is good. one client who ever signed an extension <laughs> yeah like that was a brilliant move because like they had to have known like the injury risk and like the nationals had to have known too because they have they know what his medical records look like but that deal is blown up in their face. Like, Oh yeah. That is an albatross. And and we're huge Steven Strasburg fans around here, but you know, we've talked extensively. You don't even know what he's going to be if, and when he comes back, you know, we've no idea what kind of pitcher we've got in him. And there's a whole lot of money tied up. Yeah. It's a, it's a scary spot. Like, and as you said, we have no idea what he looks like or what he's going to look like. But from my end, I sure as heck hope he's, he's uh, the player he was before the injuries. Cause like, he was thrilling to watch. Oh, like, yeah. like, can you guys remember a more hyped up pitcher um, than Strasburg when he came up? Oh yeah. man, the the fourteen strikeout debut was. But one even of the before most then, thrilling like, things. Yeah, even before like his actual debut, people were like buying tickets to games, thinking that might be the day he got called up. Like I remember, wow. you know, trying to like get tickets. It was like June something, early yeah. June, and everyone was just like buying tickets trying to guess when he would be called up and then ultimately he did and it was just you know he lived up to the hype it was, it was awesome yeah but and man I, I hope he gets back to that level the only picture i can think of being on that level is mark Pryor, but like that was that may have been before my lifetime <laughs> which that's wait what year did uh, yeah. he, anybody know i, don't I feel know like it was hand. early 2000s like oh four okay that would definitely be in my lifetime then okay i'll look I might be completely off on that though. I might have I was just born in '95, so um, 2002. Oh, you're born in '95. Yeah. yeah. So 2002. Oh. I was close. Ish. Okay. Yeah, you were close. I, God, I was you were born in '95. Oh, well, I was born in '96. Oh, you're both <laughs> killing me. I graduated from high school in 1995. <laughs> this Wait, isn't actually? about you, Amanda. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, there, there's an age disparity here. Yes. Yeah, I represent the old part of the fan base. <laughs> there is uh so I've noticed there's one thing I've done on this podcast here. It's it's disappoint Amanda. So I'll uh <laughs> I got a lot of make it up to do there. I, You're in I, good I, company with Nick. Don't even worry about it. Yeah, well, thank yeah. goodness. Yeah. Oof. You uh, fit right in. Well, you've been extremely uh, generous with your time. This is our final question for you. And we like to end on more of a lighthearted note, but uh, unfortunately for you, we're going to ask you the toughest question you ever had in your life. Oh God! And, and I, I want to bring up one of your tweets as a reference. Um, oh, why, oh, why, is, oh, oh, why, is, uh, <laughs> why is red Taylor Swift's best album? Oh my oh. God. I thought you were going to ask me about my mashed potatoes tweet. Oh, <laughs> well, that, that too. I decided now to let I need you off to look the hook up the bit. mashed potatoes tweet. <laughs> oh, I got like passing dunked on me within 30 seconds of my mashed potatoes. <laughs> that was uh, a take. That was a take. But I, I, we want to talk about Taylor Swift. Oh my gosh. Like that. Yeah. This is the kind of question I crave right here. Um, <laughs> I, I love T Swift. And like that album just hits different. Like I had, I had an agent text me. Like he was like, it was right after like it, it was released and he asked me what my thoughts were and the way I responded his, like he said, Oh my God, Robert, you sound like a teenage girl. And <laughs> he was dead on about that. Like, Not that I there's thought, anything wrong with that. 
Oh gosh, no! Like, I fully support my inner teenage girl with this. Like all too well, like that ten minute version. Holy cow! Um, just absolutely beyond the words, incredible. Um, and like everything, like here, I'll actually go through the album real quick and show you. Or show you <laughs> wow, nice. Yeah, you're getting the exclusive here on on my T Swift love. Um, because I actually full disclosure, I did a workout before I hopped on the show. Um, and I listened to T Swift the entire time. Uh, <laughs> Great workout music. I hear. Oh, absolutely. I was lifting heavy too. So like, okay, so I got red saved. I know you, or I knew you were in trouble all too well. 22. We were never getting back together. I mean, you can sense a theme here. Uh, <laughs> um, let's see. Yeah, you have a the lot moment. of teenage angst going yes. on right now. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Angst is strong. I love it. Oh gosh. Yeah. And like the amount of people that I can talk T-Swift with, like a lot of my guy friends are big T-Swift fans too. Um, <laughs> and like, we just talk about it all the time. And like, oh my gosh, I, I freaking love it. Same with my girlfriend too. Like we talk about it religiously. So <laughs> that's actually how we bonded by the way. So let's uh, oh, shout out. There you go. go. So, um, Bonding over breakup songs. That's terrific. <laughs> I, I, yeah. That's, go. <laughs> what, what says love like breakup songs? But, Nothing yeah. at all. I'll tell you, I always say there are two kinds of people in this world. There are people who love Taylor Swift and liars. That's it. Oh boy. Thanks. Honestly, like I may get that tattooed <laughs> in my arm. Like, <laughs> yeah, spot the lie. I wish you could. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. But uh, yeah, like I, uh, my face is getting red now because I'm fangirling over T Swift. So we're, uh, we're out of this pot on a high note. It's all right. We all are. It's fine. Uh, I love it. Yeah. I got to get my, uh, so on my pot, I got to get Carm to talk about T Swift because like we have not mentioned her once. Um, and that is a huge mistake on our end. It's a, it's a lockout. You can literally just, you know, shoot from the hip and talk about whatever you want. There's no, exactly. Rules. There's no content to talk about yeah. that's actual exactly. baseball content. So you can just talk about whatever you like. Exactly. Yeah. Figure about one minute of baseball and 49 minutes of T Swift. Like that would be, that'd be absolutely. You ideal. honestly might get m- more listens to your podcast. If you do that, honestly, <laughs> there's yeah, a lot we... more Taylor Swift fans than there are. Baseball yeah, exactly. Fans, so you might actually more diehard fans audience. too. Yeah. If yeah. that, uh, if the podcast ends up blowing up to Pat McAfee's level and we sign a four year for a hundred million dollar right. deal, then, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I'll, I'll thank you guys for that because, yeah, that'd be that'd be pretty sick. But the best thank you would be, you know, 10 percent of your future earnings or something like that. So <laughs> I'll, I'll have my people contact your people. There we go. All right. Cool. Cool. Robert, thank you so much for joining. You've been extremely generous with your time. This was a great conversation and uh, best of luck with your baseball hangover. Uh, everyone listening, <laughs> everyone listening, be sure to follow him on Twitter at by Robert Murray. And uh, brother of the podcast, fan-sided yes. brother. <laughs> really appreciate you joining us. I hope we do it again soon. Oh, I absolutely would love to be back. I appreciate you guys. And uh, and thank you again for asking about T-Swift and not my mashed potatoes tweet. <laughs> I'm going to look Next up time. the mashed potatoes tweet right now. Next time. Yeah, okay. that's, oh, on, right. that's on deck. Be ready. Oh, perfect. That's a nice cliffhanger. Or, uh, yeah. uh, or wait, cliffhanger, not cliffhanger. Yeah, yeah hangover on the brain. <laughs> there we go. Cliffhanger. There we go. All right, Robert. Have a good one. You as well. Thank Thanks. you. Thanks. There's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the Potomac. A new team is mowing down the ranks of their opponents. The Nationals are smashing balls so that the commentator who has the calls has passed the wall to see you later. Sure.
By the early light of dawn, well, you can see they're running scared. Cause the kinds of bombs we're launching are bursting in the air. Tell the Library of Congress that they might not want to look. Cause we're putting curly W's in every book. Let's go. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.